This episode of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by TFC Productions. Christine, what's the TFC stand for? Two Fit Crazies. Two Fit Crazy Productions? Yeah. Yeah, we produce some podcasts. So, um, you know, people always come up to us uh, and ask us how we can help them or, you know, what we can do. How did you get started in podcasting? What do I need? This and that. We Let got us you covered. help you. We Let got- us consult with you. We'll walk you through every step. Got you covered. And then from there, if you feel like recording and sending us the information, we'll produce it. We'll package it. We'll send it back to you nice with a bow on it. And uh, you just upload it yourself. And we'll uh, give you all those marketing tools and everything you need to do in the meantime. That's right. From the leaders in Podcasting 101. TFC Productions. So we're also brought to you by ContiFit.com, which is your virtual online fitness and wellness. You name it, you need it, we're here for you. And uh, make sure, check out the Let's Face It Together Facial Fitness and Rehabilitation Program, working with special populations around the world. Get virtually certified today. Don't miss out. Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. We've got virtual online health coaching uh, sessions with me, uh, my company, High Five Health and Fitness. Uh, All the information, highfivehealthandfitness.com. It's Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. You know where it's at today? Where, Christine? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, by way of Chester, England. Yeah. Wait till you hear this Louisiana <laughs> accent. Wait it's unlike till any, you hear it. Unlike any you've ever heard before. Yeah, it sounds something like kind of English. That's right. Yeah. So, um, Steve Meller is on the show today. You're going to love him. And he is not only a podcast host of the Career Competitor Podcast. I mean, that's fantastic in and of itself. Write it down, Career Competitor Podcast. Just like ours. Subscribe, like, listen. Um, But he's also the associate head coach of swimming at LSU. Mm. As in Louisiana State University. Yeah, as in Baton Rouge. As in... Go Tigers. As in awesome as in a very high level yeah (laughs) he's amazing and he shares his story today about you know growing up and training in tiny metered pools and driving you know to his trainings and with his dad and kind of really working super hard um putting in the work and making it you know to the united states and then working his way up to um his coaching position right now at lsu which is pretty amazing yeah, you know, just in, you know, competitive swimmer and the transition to coaching and his philosophies with coaching and how you work with the student athletes and, and everything that goes into it. Uh, and then on top of that, just our love, uh, that we, you know, Christine and I share with Steve, uh, for podcasting and, and what his show's all about. And, and the re- why. I mean, you're going to hear, you know, an example of just how good he is, uh, on the air and, and, uh, in conversation and putting things together just from being a guest here. Um, and you know, there's no doubt about it that, uh, you know, his, his podcast is worthy of a listen and, um, it's just, uh, just tons of fun. You know, what, what does it take? What is it? Nature versus nurture is part of the conversation today. Um, you know, just really working with, you know, getting on the level of the student mm-hmm. athlete and making sure that you're connecting with them and not trying to enforce your will on them and the importance of all of it. Um, you know, just really, really, um, poignant, 
uh, information that, uh, you know, was just, just a great listen for us. And, uh, one of those where you just kind of sit back, mm-hmm. you know, not only does he have the tremendous accent, uh, you yes. know, and the, and, and, uh, everything, at least as far as we're concerned, accent, but, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Right. Accents relative, right? If what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. It's got some accent. Right? Not like us. We're good. <laughs> so, uh, listen, you're really going to enjoy this episode. Um, please have a listen. Steve Mollor, uh, LSU swimming coach, as well as fellow podcaster, career competitor podcast. Here we go. Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian. Yes. It's going to be a good day today. I think so. We both came in here a little hot. <laughs> I had to bicycle in here today. I, we, yes, <laughs> my, my wife, My wife's car was being repaired, so it's all good. You it's know? fantastic. That's the luxury. I, I took it to the mechanic, uh-huh. and then I ran home mm-hmm. so like you're never stuck we're runners so like we're never stuck and i ran home and then i had to get on the bike and come here it's a beautiful day it's so, like it was, yeah. it's like a duathlon it's, yeah no i'm like three, <laughs> i'm gonna I'm make like, you a medal i'm like two-thirds of the way there well it's a good thing yeah i need we a swim i need a swim coach anyone yeah. on the lines a oh, swim coach right hmm. i don't know uh, i think i can help you guys with that yeah oh okay <laughs> well i definitely need a lot of help with that um and we'll there's something i forgot to mention the, the other day so oh, we'll get, get into that um so Steve Meller, how are you? I'm doing completely wonderful, guys. How are you both? Feeling good? Always good. This is the best part of our best part of our day. We get to <laughs> relax. And I came into the studio today and I said, I've been looking forward to this hour because I don't have to deal with the chaos of life for this <laughs> one hour. We get to be here. And that's, you know, um, I just love, love, love that. And so excited to have you. And we have to, for our listeners, clarify, where are you coming to us from today? So I am based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I work at LSU, uh, Louisiana State University, uh, originally from the UK, originally from a small town called Chester, England. If you don't know where that is, it's close to Liverpool. I always just say Liverpool because everyone says, oh, the Beatles, the whole nine yards, etc. So, you know, for me, uh, I am now officially i would say about 50 percent louisianian at this point uh the accent the accent comes and goes uh i would say if i get into a heated debate with someone down here i start to pick up this cajun twang in what i'm saying um but no from the most part like i said i've, I've been down here in baton rouge now for seven years so yeah it's very oh, much wow. for me now i you know what i have some friends from down there they were they're actually from new orleans grew up in the quarter they're maniacs and they were lsu grads as well um yep. and they, the further they got into the drink, the less I could understand them. It was like, <laughs> it, like it just kept like I was like, all right, guys, I, I got to tap out. I need a translator now. Um, but yep. the, yeah, great. Holds up. It's a great part of the country, and it's a great university. Um, you know, a lot of athletics. What are you? Uh, what are you doing down there? 
So I'm the associate head coach for swimming. I've, uh, like I said, been here for seven years, started out as an assistant, uh, just recently was moved up into the associate head position. And a lot of my work is is simply based around being on poolside and uh, the the inner, inner, you know, I guess, stressful life that is recruiting as well at times. Uh, recruiting is a whole different ball game and it, it you get into the job to be a coach and you suddenly realize at times that you're as much a recruiter as you are a coach. Uh, but, you know, for for me personally, the, the, the pool side is where I'm at my happiest. Uh, it's, it's my, it's, it's certainly my, uh, my, my most peaceful part of my day is as much as I'm animated and, and very excited to be there. Uh, it's, it's where I'm at my happiest, like I said. So I've been uh, coaching swimming here for seven years. I've been a swim coach for almost 12 now. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing it for a while. I have, um, if you stick around for about five years, I've got a six foot four swimmer <laughs> in my house. That's a good start. Six foot four is a good start. Well, that's, that's, his, that's, his, he's in sixth grade now. But he's not six four yet. Not but, six four yet, but if he's any less okay. than six four, it, he's not mine. So <laughs> that's enough. how, that's Fair how enough. it works. So he's, we'll, uh, he's, we'll let you know how that goes. And, and I'll brag, <laughs> I'll brag for him because, uh, Christina's too humble. He's very, he's very, very good competitive swimmer, like regional level, right? Would you say, Christine? Like, is he swimming in the, he did the East Coast? East Coast, yeah. You so know, as, you know, as a 10, year. 10 year old, 11 year old, he's, he's, uh, he's special. I'm trying, yeah, I, look, I look, special. look forward to his email. I look forward to his email. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm trying to make him a runner right now because he's got that too, but, uh, that's yeah. okay. Um, he, uh, so LSU competitive swimming. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that's SEC, uh, you know, at, at things, uh, where do you guys sit and, and how are things going for you since you've been there? Uh, the, the best way to always, the best way I always answer that question is it can always be better. Uh, of course. I think the, the, the one thing for, for me that I've always enjoyed about being within this conference is it's the most exciting place to practice your trade. Um, but at the same time, without a doubt, the most humbling at the same time. So it's for, for, for me, every single year, we, we make improvements, we get better, we, we work our way up the conference, we have individual success, we came off a, a historical season in many ways just last season, and for for me personally now as a coach, every single time I finish a season, I look back, I, I'm excited about how far we've come, I'm humbled by how far we still have to go, and uh, you know, it's just constantly a learning experience, and uh, that's, that's what makes it so fun, right? Tell us about this uh, last season. Well, we we went a, a solid decade and a half, I would say, um, without a a male uh, within our program reaching the, the pinnacle of the conference, getting to that gold medal uh, position. And we were fortunate to see ourselves achieve that uh, this this past season. We had a, a freshman by the name Brooks Curry, who I think in time will probably become a household name. Uh, is uh, he he won himself the 100 freestyle uh, as like i said as a freshman which is pretty much unheard of in that event it's a very power driven event uh, so you know usually at the age of 18 you're not quite there physically but for, for whatever reason he was and uh, you know we were we were just uh, you know obviously incredibly excited to 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 do something like that in, in someone's freshman season but at the same time uh, for us as a program it was it was not a surprise it was something that was in the works it was it was coming we we'd shown that we could do it with individuals and like I said, you know, we were able to sort of climb to the top of the mountain, uh, at least in that one event last year. And uh, now that we've done it once, we obviously have lots of intentions to do it many more times in the future. How did uh, how's everything with COVID? What does that do to you guys right now? I mean, recruiting obviously uh, would, would knock that down a bit. But, uh, you know, as far as getting in the pool and competing. 
Yeah, uh, competing is almost an. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a no go, but it's it's to say that it's slowed down would be an understatement. Uh, you know, it's and, and that's the hardest thing in our sport. Our, our kids live to compete. Uh, you know, and and that for us as coaches is is all of our purpose is is geared towards that. You know, always finding that next. Uh, competition that's around the corner it might not be an important one it might just be a holding competition where we're just maintaining training uh, but at the same time there's always purpose around the corner and and the hardest thing without a doubt in these last six months is has been maintaining purpose and, and and trying to convince these kids that there will be a day where we get back up on the block and we compete again and and, and so with that we have to be ready whenever that opportunity comes and for, for us as a program uh we we can say at least excitedly now that we have a couple of competitions planned in the next couple of months, which is, which is great. And the enthusiasm obviously builds every day, knowing that those competitions are a day closer, but at the same time, we're an Olympic sport and all Olympic sports suffered this past year and in, in having to just, you know, let the Olympics come and go and, and, and hopefully they'll, they'll happen this time around. And so with that being said, you know, we, we've tried to put a positive spin on that one more year of preparation, right? You know, another opportunity to get a little bit better and who knows, put yourself in contention to become a, an Olympian that maybe had it been a year earlier, you might not have been ready. So, you know, there's, there's always ways to, to spin it positively, but like I said, you know, that, that lack of purpose the last six months or so, and I know I speak for so many Olympic sports, uh, you know, the inability to race makes it so hard to train. Right. And that goal is to peak, you know, whether, you know, and and usually it's a, you know, a a date on the calendar where, you know, you have to be ready for that. And as things drift, uh, you know, so do our intentions and so do our, our, you know, our training. It's tough. It's tough to kind of tack it all together. I've I've, I've almost felt like that. I've I've felt felt a little bit lost. Like, you know, Brian and I love to get on the starting line, you know, whether it's a 5k or a marathon or you want to get crazy. Um, (laughs) It's, you have that, it's, I was thinking about this the other day that I'm like, oh my, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the energy. I could be dead last. It doesn't matter. It's just to be out there. See, for me, it's purpose. Like I got, I got to have purpose. I have to have a goal, (laughs) you know, and, and uh, I'm sure that the swimmers, you know, and, and one way or the other, you know, they're feeling all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, myself, am a, I'm I'm just like you guys. I'm 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 a fitness crazy guy, and I always have been ever since I I hung up the speedo, so to speak, and stopped swimming. Uh, you know, I I've, I've always been busy. I've always been active, and uh, you know, becoming creative within your garage and things like that the last six months, and, and feeling as though you weren't really allowed to go outside and do specific things that you're accustomed to doing, and and knowing that you're staying in shape just for the sake of staying in shape, which is obviously not a bad thing, but like you guys said, you know that not having something to look forward to that camaraderie, that excitement of going out at 6am to join hundreds and hundreds of people to do something together. You know, it's, it's gone away for now and that's, that's tough. It's, it's the true test of intrinsic motivation. And (laughs) I mean, really, you're not out there for right now. You're not out there for the crap. I mean, I'm just thinking right now, like, I think I've run like, what, like three or four marathons, like during this, during this, you know, for like virtual or, or for, for fun or, you know, if that you can believe that. Um, but I, I think that there's something, you know, it almost people need this. And you've seen people rise to the occasion of, you know what, fitness is really important. Like this is not just physically, you know, again, you're maintaining. There's a difference between maintaining and functional functionality versus competing. And I say that to my son. What, what are you doing today? Are you training or are you competing? And, you know, there's that different mentality that, again, you know, he hasn't been um, competing, I would say, you know, right. in the, the technical term. But um, I am 
very interested, and we always are when we talk to people around the world. What was it like growing up in Chester? By the way, who um, are you a big Liverpool fan? I'm a huge Liverpool fan. <laughs> okay, because yes. okay, because we're we're okay now. We're fine. Um, okay, good, my good. my husband lived um, in Liverpool for a whole year, okay. so he did a whole year of college in Liverpool, and we have awesome. all of the. He actually had you know a Liverpool. He went to work today in a Liverpool jersey. Oh, yeah. By the way, um, so we are huge <laughs> fans. Um, so what what was it like growing up? What was your training like over there? And take us through the whole. You know, obviously you're something special if you're coaching at LSU you didn't just fall there you know so what was the journey uh you know it's uh it's it's funny you know here I am still in the sport and it's been uh, 13 for 13 years now since I was competing and I it, it's a past life even though I'm working with kids every day doing this uh, having gone through it yourself it's almost like you you put yourself physically and as much mentally, to be honest, in a in a mindset where you just you don't think about where you are in the present because if you think about it, you'll realize how tired you are and how, mm-hmm. and, how and how broken your body can feel some days. And you know, for me personally, I I started in this tiny town which had a, a Victorian baths. That's how that's how old you know how old this pool was. Uh, you know, built in the early 1900s and. It was uh, this six-lane, twenty-five-yard pool, and in England, you don't ha- you don't have yard pools. It's it's all meters, meters and yeah. so we were we were in this tiny little pool, and I I kind of learned my trade right there, and and so for me, that was what was so neat about that was that it it, it really bred competition in every sense of the of the term because you know you were fighting for space first and foremost. The pool was a little bit smaller, and so sh- straight away when you dive in, it's like okay, I'm, I've got to make I got to make five yards for myself so I can actually train. I can't get caught up. I can't you know it, it, whatever it might be. So you have that competitive instinct from the moment you hit the water. And I got to about the age of thirteen, fourteen, and I, I was starting to very much outgrow the uh, the program I was at and I decided to make a move to to one of the uh, one of British Swimming's center of excellence um, about 50 miles away and just outside of Manchester which was hard in a number of ways going back to soccer you know I don't like being around people from Manchester uh, exactly uh, you know it's it's I say it's nothing personal but it actually is I, I get it uh, <laughs> um, but the uh, you know the, the the move was so important for me because I, I truly did get to a point with my career where I was on the cusp of I started making national meets. I was on the cusp of making junior British teams and I knew that I needed that extra uh that extra level of, of training, uh the, the competition around me, the uh, facilities, everything. And, and so I made that move and I was driving fifty miles one way twice a day. Um, you know, so it was it was like, you know, you do the math, two hundred miles of driving a day just to train at the level I needed to train. And uh at first before I got my driver's license my, my dad was doing it and he was sleeping in the car with uh you know while i was practicing in the mornings and then i would come back on the train in the evenings and uh you know for me again that that's the perfect example of what i was talking about before like i couldn't think about what i was doing while i was doing it because no one in their right mind would t- would travel 200 miles a day to, to to just simply train um so for, for for me that was that was what i realized what i needed to do and uh, by the time I was 18, I was making British teams, uh, and I got recruited to come over to the to the states. Um, but when at the age of 19, so you know, for me, the the upbringing there in England was was perfect for me. It allowed me to get to the level I wanted to get to in terms of representing my country. Uh, there was a level or two I probably fell short, if I was being honest. Uh, but at the same time, I you know I look back on 
that time in England specifically. And, you know, that was, uh, that was a past life at this point, but my gosh, like so much, so much sacrifice and so much time spent just simply traveling. So I could then actually compete and train at the level I needed to. You know, so often, you know, you hear the debate nature versus nurture and, and, you know, where does this come from? And I'm sure you see it in recruiting even and and the kids that you work with. And I I don't know. I mean, there are some successful people that don't have those circumstances like you just mentioned and the driving and and, and the, you know, the 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 short pool and the circumstances that you were developed in, you know, those formative years. And, you you know, and I, I just think that it just goes so much to not only, you know, the ability, obviously, you're a talented guy because it comes through in your competitions. But, you know, just that mindset and that hardening hardening of you know the the mind and 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 just really making it um more than about just ability like would you be there if you had a nice fancy pool and 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 it was easy and it was in your yard or you know a couple blocks away yeah and that 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 is such a that's such a great point you know for for me personally i i and again i've people have i've had this discussion before and it's it's crazy to think you know hey would would you have been as committed would you have really gotten to the level you ended up getting to had things been in some ways handed to you. Um, and I felt like I was earning every, every step of the way. I felt I had to earn the opportunities that I, that were, were put in front of me. So, yeah. Or even the, the, uh, understanding and willingness of your father to, you know, get you through all this stuff and make sure that you were yeah. there. You know what I look yeah. back on and what you just reminded me of is if it wasn't for, I had a father like that too, that would, he would, my practices when I, I played volleyball in college and um, our practices, if you play with the big teams, was about an hour away. And again, it wasn't 50 miles. I, I'm, I'm going to just bow down to that. But it was about an hour away and you'd have to drive it three times a week. And then every weekend you were traveling all over the United States or in the car and and he would drive me. And, and that was, you know, that time, you know, my father since passed away, but that time was always time that we had together, that time in the car. And no one can take that away. You know, the stupid jokes, the, I hate to say it, you know, the stopping at Burger King for those chicken sandwiches at like 11 <laughs> o'clock at night on the way home from practice. It, you know, I almost am grateful for, for some of the, you know, hardships or, you know, the mattress in the back seat, you know, at three in the morning because we're driving seven hours away to compete the next day. Um, I, I think there's, there's some power to that. There's some, you know, real like, I want to work even harder because I know other people are behind me and they believe in me, which is such a cool, you know, cool experience and cool thing for even our listeners to realize that no matter how you, you know, where you get to in life, like it's the people around you that really help lift you up and get you there. Yeah. And the, I, I mean, you, you're speaking so many truths to me because my, my greatest relationship between the ages of probably 15 and, 18 was was with my father uh, and and so for me like looking at that now look and, and as, as a dad myself now a, a fairly recent dad i have a, a 17 month old and a, a 10 week old so you oh know, my god oh boy congrats <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah that's why i have a a, a four a, a four espresso coffee right here next to you <laughs> right now um what's sleep but, you know huh? exactly who needs it right um so but, but for me Whenever I got there and my dad had driven me the whole way there and I'd slept most of it and I knew that he was about to go to sleep while I was about to go swim, I'm thinking to myself, man, you better not waste this right now. He's just right. driven you 50 mm-hmm. miles. Like you better 
get your butt in there and do a heck of a job. And, and more often than not, he would all, always wake up about 30 minutes before the end of my workouts and, and come in and watch the back end of it. Cause he knew that was usually when we were, you know, working at our hardest and uh, he would always have some, you know, fatherly insight, which sometimes from, from a guy that didn't know anything about swimming, it was always something I would question at times. But, you know, for me, for me personally, like those drives then back to back to home and back to where I went to school, like those, those 45 minutes to an hour that we had together was, was priceless. It was just the best. All right. So now you, you, as you said, hang up the speedo and, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, you're, you know, now you put your coaching cap on, uh, mm. and how does that change? How does that, um, you know, not only successful athletes aren't, don't always make the greatest coaches. Um, sometimes it's a very difficult transition. Uh, you know, even when you think you kind of know it, sometimes it's hard to watch people not put the work in mm-hmm. as much as they should. Uh, how's it going for you with that? I mean, how, how, what's, uh, what's the transition been like? Yeah, the, the first, the first two or three years, uh, I consider myself fortunate cause I was allowed to fail. Uh, I was given the opportunity in, in, roles that really didn't have a lot of expectation. I had some opportunities to work with some athletes, but I wasn't as responsible for them as I certainly am at this point in my career. And and so for me, the quickest lesson I had to learn was that you're not coaching you anymore. You're, you're not. You're, you're coaching a completely different individual in that lane and someone completely different in the lane next to them. If, you, if you're expecting them to think like you, you're already – you know, you're already looking at a losing battle. You, you, you cannot get the best out of someone if you're just assuming that they're going to think the way that you think. And I think for me, once I started to realize that after about season two or three of, of doing this thing, things started to really become efficient in the way that I coached because I was able to get on people's level before I started to try and actually coach them. And, and I suddenly realized like, hey, if I'm, if I'm doing it on their level in some way, shape or form, whether... You know, it's uh, just speaking slightly more directly. If I'm if I'm speaking to a male, if it's putting my arm around someone, if I'm speaking to a female, like little intricacies like that straight away was was so important for me to recognize. Like you can't necessarily talk to a woman the way you would talk to a man, and you can't necessarily talk to someone who's who's been get, handed everything in life up to this point, as opposed to someone who's who's had a similar story to maybe myself who had to work for everything. You know, you have to see the the small small uh, differences between each athlete that you're working with and find a way to connect with them on a more personal level while you coach them as well and 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 so for me by about year four or five I was then in a position I felt where I could say right I know the work that I want them to do now it's about getting them to think as though they're responsible for it like they're the one who's doing the work and they're doing it in the way that they think is right for them And, and and so for me that was it was like, like I said, I, I was so fortunate to be allowed to actually fail a few times to be in an environment where the stakes weren't so high to, you know, I even did some summer league training where I was working with six and unders and, you know, eight, eight year olds. And, and, and so for me, like, it's always one of my favorite pieces of advice to people. Now here I am working with guys on the brink of Olympic teams. And I tell people like, Hey, if you're going to start doing this job fresh out of college, you need to go coach and see if you can actually teach an eight-year-old how to do something. Mm-hmm. If you can't get an eight-year-old to do it, good luck getting an 18, 19-year-old to do it. Because it, it, there is, a, there is a, a, a path, let's say, to, to getting someone to understand what it is they, you need them to do. And if you can, if you can teach it on a, on a more you know, lower level, I suppose, uh, that sort of amateur level when you're working with these youngsters, to then working with it at a, at a very, very high level, um, suddenly you, you find yourself, okay, I, 
if I can teach it with this person who doesn't know necessarily anything and then start to work with someone on a level who has a lot more experience, then I should be able to hold my own a lot more once I get to that level. So, you know, it's it, my, my, my favorite thing to always say is that I've, I've had the opportunity to fail and learn through my, fail, uh, my failures. Uh, but at the same time, you know, interpersonal communication for me is everything in this job. I think it's everything in the world. I'm just going to say <laughs> world right now. I'm going to blanket that statement and, I agree. and yeah, generalize. I, agree. I, I, you know what? I was I was talking to someone who has a big speech coming up yesterday, and it's you know kind of in the fitness industry. And he said, you know, can I pick your brain for a little bit? And the person is talking about um, just the the way to talk to clients, and and I think it's really important. I don't care you know whether you're coaching or coaching anything. You could be in business coaching. You could be in, you know, coaching in college. You can, I don't care. But she was talking about how um, certain demographics feel invisible. They feel that they're not empowered. They feel that they, um, you know, just aren't important. And I said to her, I said, this is so important, not just for your clients, but I said, this is huge in anything. I said, you make someone feel that you believe in them and that you, you know that they can do something, wait till you see what happens. They come alive. And I think it's important what you just said was get to their level. And as a former teacher, when I first started teaching, oh my good Lord, the mistakes (laughs) that I made. And I mean, I would like yell at some students sometimes. And the last couple years that I taught, I remember, I mean, even the last five years, I remember never raising my voice because you learn that's not what they need. This is what they need. And this is, you know, like you said, I know you're not supposed to touch people, but like <laughs> I'd put my hand on someone's shoulder and say, you know, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Whatever's going on or, you know, and someone else, I coached boys, volleyball, um, varsity boys and they're eight, you know, 17, 18 year old coach girls, 17, 18, totally different ball game. Completely different. Totally mm-hmm. different. What I say to the boys and girls and I hate to say that and I hate to think that there's a difference because I'm like all about, yay, women, you know. <laughs> um, but there is a clear difference of reaction sometimes, which, um, you know, I think that's important to, to mention how that affects people. Mm-hmm. Oh, Absolutely. my goodness. Absolutely. I think for what's so funny is I look back on my first year at LSU specifically and I was I was the guy that reigned with an iron fist at times. You know, I say at times, probably consistently, <laughs> and because that because that's what I responded to really well as an athlete. If if I had a coach that was just riding me the whole time mm-hmm. and constantly challenging me, then I was like, yes, bring it on, more, more, more. I want to prove you wrong. I want to show you what I can do. And I suddenly realized it's like if this is how you're going to communicate all the time, then it's just going to turn into noise. It's just going to be noise, and they're going to be like, "Okay, Steve's speaking again, and he's yelling." Uh, and you know, so for for me, I just realized so quickly to to your point, Christine. Like, if I can talk to people at the the volume I'm talking to you guys now, and I'm probably going to make way more of an impact and be heard as opposed to just simply, you know, just be noise. So I, it's it's such a it's such a valid point. It's so true, and and 
listen, Steve, wait till, you know, the children start, your kids start coming up too. Because uh, I, I always say to Christine, like in my household, along with my wife, of course, I am the leader of the free world. And, right. and you know, and if I, and if it's all, you know, ruling with an iron fist, as you said, I, uh, I'm in big trouble because uh, sooner or later they're going to revolt. <laughs> and uh, that's not good for anybody. Um, one of the things that I really love, especially with the Olympic sports, is um, the you know the ancillary training or the um, you know the the other training that goes into it. It can't just be all pool. Um, you're not just swimming. Um, not only strength work and you know dry land uh, workouts and and things like that, but the uh, mental capa- uh, you know aspect of it all. Um, what do you guys do in there? Uh, what what's uh, what does the school provide for you? What do you guys spill it? Yeah. Is what Brian's saying. Spelling. <laughs> yeah, you know, from a from a men- mental health capacity, and I think this is the this is the fine line with 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 athletics, and especially at the collegiate level, is is finding that balance between mental health and mental performance, and, and understanding that you know the, at the end of the day, these are eighteen to twenty two year olds. They they have stuff going on. They they have people that they need to communicate with that aren't coaches that are going to hear them with a an unbiased ear. And uh, I think for for us, we're we're super fortunate here, at least, and and we're able to say we have four. Uh, mental health professionals within the athletic department, which again, across 500 to 600 athletes still doesn't sound like, you know, a great ratio, but it's uh, a heck of a, you know, a heck of a stronger ratio than a lot of places. And, and so for us, we, we have that, uh, sorry, our athletes have that outlet and uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, you know, for me as a, as a massive advocate for it myself, I, uh, every time I hear anything that you know, from one of my athletes that even suggests slightly that they're struggling with something, I, I point them in that direction. And uh, I know that I can help, uh, but I also know that, you know, an unbiased ear sometimes is, is better than me speaking to them potentially with my coach's hat. As much as I try not to in those situations, I always try to just listen to them as, as the 18 or 19 year old that's speaking to me as opposed to my swimmer. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it can be difficult sometimes, especially every, a big competition around the corner or whatever it might be to sort of be completely unbiased in those moments. So we're very fortunate when it comes to that and uh, nutritionally as well. We we have a state of the art nutrition center at this point. And, and so for us, it's about creating the, uh, the most supportive and uh, in, in many ways convenient lifestyle that we possibly can for our athletes. And I think convenience in this day and age is huge. You know, it's just when I went to school, it was always come out of a class, hop on a bus, go around campus, go into the next class. Everything was on a bus or a long walk. And there's there's days, especially now with COVID, with online classes, I, I swear, if they didn't have to go to practice, our kids wouldn't leave their rooms. Um, you know, so for, for us, the convenience of things has become fantastic, knowing that we have nutrition centers and mental health support and athletic training uh, available to our kids all within a stone's throw of, of where they live on campus. So it's uh, we're very fortunate here, and you, you, we get to benefit from this juggernaut that is LSU football, so we can't really complain. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> all right, so... We have to talk about this because we are all podcasters, Steve. (laughs) So, and I did, you know, that's kind of how, what originally drew me to reach out to you because you have the Career Competitor podcast. Please divulge. How did you come about, you know, coming up with this or saying I want to launch a podcast? What happened? Well, I've been told my whole life. That I have a face for radio, so uh, oh, no. I, uh, <laughs> you know, that's just that's just my British humor kicking in there. But at, at the same time, you know, for me, my my degree was in communications. My my 
hope when I was a kid was sports broadcasting or something like that. And, and, and swimming took over and my, my love for swimming really kicked in beyond my competitive years. And here I am coaching now. But the one thing I never lost was my passion for, for communicating and, and also just for media in general. And, and podcasting started taking off, as, as you guys are fully aware. And uh, I had a few of my athletes, actually, this was probably in the early part of 2018, I want to say. And, uh, you know, they started listening to podcasts. I was listening to podcasts. And uh, at times, they, I guess they must enjoy some of the things I tell them and share with them at times. So a few of them pointed me in that direction. And I started looking into it. And I did some research with former athletes and said, hey, if I was creating a podcast and it was me that was presenting it and, uh, you know, based on my personality, based on the sort of conversations we've had, what what sort of direction do you think you guys would would encourage me to go? And uh, they all sort of suggested, like, listen, you're, you're always trying to look at things from life perspective as opposed to just swimming. And, um, you know, for me personally, this was an opportunity to to extend the messages that I'm giving, I guess, to my swimmers uh, to a much wider audience across so many different sectors. And career competitor was the, was the name that I came up with it simply because I'm, and again, I'm going to quote, um, lighting the fire within you in order to succeed within your career. And, and, and so for me, I think we're all competitors underneath. I think we're at our best when we're competing, uh, whether that's intrinsically, as we mentioned before, just against ourselves or whether it's against the person next to us or the company across the street, whatever it may be. I think there's a competitive level to all of us that brings the best out of us. And my guests come on and we talk about the competitor that they are. And uh, usually they come from a background in sports, which is easy for me to, to, to talk about as, as it is with you guys. And uh, then we get into the stuff they're doing today away from sports for the most part. And so much of what they're doing today in terms of the success they're having come back to the same great qualities and traits that they had once as a, as an athlete. So it's great. How long have you been at it? Uh, we have just passed 60 episodes. We've been doing it for a couple, couple of years now. So, so yeah, we're, we're kicking on. We're, we're doing pretty good. Oh, that's so great. All right. Tell us what your favorite part of podcasting mm-hmm. is. It's this It's what we're doing right <laughs> now. Man. It's just like, Oh my gosh. Like, it, it, and, and for me, I, sometimes I, I arrange these interviews and I start, you know, doing my background, background research a little bit. And I, I set up some questions and I, I, and then it suddenly hits me who I'm about to talk to and what they've achieved. And, you know, I've spoken to Olympic champions. I've spoken to people from, um, you know, who've been at the top of their game in, in terms of their sports and then gone on to achieve incredible things uh, away from their sport. And, and, and I just sit here and I'm just in awe. I'm just humbled beyond, beyond belief that, you know, this person's taking 30 minutes, 45 minutes out of their day to chat with me. And, you know, more often than not, thankfully, um, you know, I'm able to, to hold my own in those conversations. And I always, I always say like, you know, I'm just the connector. I'm, the, I'm not the, I'm not the person with, I'm not the, uh, you know, I'm not the expert on any of these conversations that I'm having with people. I'm, I'm listening and I'm pulling these great points away from the conversation, but you, you know, my, my guests are the, you know, they're the, they're the people that have been there and done it for so long. And I just, like I said, I'm just in awe of the opportunity just to speak with these people. I get that fully. Oh, like, we both do. Yeah, no, it's oh, like yeah. we're just the conduit here, and you know, you're the expert and you're the guest. I want to know what you know, uh, and <laughs> and we're just here to you know kind of uh, get to the right questions and and then uh, and then get it out to everybody. Um, you know, and our audience is great enough to listen to it. So you know, it's just it's just a, be- a beautiful thing. Um, now, do you use the uh, student athletes as uh, low, no paid interns to get your podcast produced? And, out on that? <laughs> and also, are they? I'm just kidding. 
Yeah. I get, I get that. I'm, I, there's probably going to be an NCAA rule in there somewhere that prevents me from doing that. I'm sure there is. Yeah. They got yeah. rules for everything. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So what are – I mean, this is – Brian and I, um, you know, we obviously we started this podcast. I say this a lot to give people a voice in the fitness, nutrition, wellness, you know, inspirational stories. We felt that there wasn't a place. And this was, you know, years ago that there was nowhere someone could go and find out, you know, unbiased information from people. I don't even know if there's such thing as an expert in this world anymore, but people that really know have been through the trenches and have come out and are still uh, dragging themselves up the mountain, you know? And we have learned so much from our guests. And it's been, it almost is, we're almost kind of selfish at this point. Like, it's kind of like, yeah. mm, well, you know, um, and, you know, we've, again, the same thing. You talk to people and you're just in awe of some of their stories. And, you know, Brian and I have our own stories, but it's been fascinating. Have, I mean, share with our listeners, is there anything that you could think of where you just sat back and you were like, oh my gosh, because our listeners need to go to said episode and listen. Right. Um, that, that's tough. As, you know, I, again, I don't want to downplay any other potential right. guests that I've had on, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, uh, when I, I, I partnered up with a, a sports media company earlier this year during, during the pandemic. I, and that was the, one of the, you know, the silver linings of the pandemic, believe it or not, was that I had more time to spend on this, uh, on, on, on my podcast. You can't coach something if you can't go to the pool. So, you know, it's just for me, for me, this was an opportunity to really, you know, dive in for, you know, lack of a pun, uh, to, uh, to, to, to the podcasting stuff. And I, I opened up this, this series of, of women changing the world. And, uh, you know, I did a, a 10 part series of, uh, just speaking with women that had just, they just had stories to tell. They just did incredible things. And, um, you know, just looking across all of those, all of those episodes, uh, you know, I had women who were the first, the, the first NFL coach, uh, the first, my first woman, sorry, to coach in the NFL uh, came on my show. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to speak with uh, some of the first women to coach within major league baseball. Uh, you know, so I, if, if I was going to point people in a specific direction, it would be just to, just to go back and look through um, some of my episodes from, from the summer. And it was that, that series of women changing the world. And, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be no bad episode in there, 10 episodes mm-hmm. and, and all of them all of, and again like you talk about just being in awe and sitting back and listening you know that's that's one of the hardest things at times uh being on on your side of the conversation as as, as i am uh, consistently is you get so caught up in what they're telling you that you just want to you just want to shut up and listen <laughs> you know you just mm-hmm. don't you don't even want to interrupt you don't want to ask another question because sometimes sometimes they get on the line of thought or sometimes they start telling you a story and you just like i'll be damned if i'm going to interrupt you right now like you know i just want you to keep talking and um you know some of the some of the stories, some of the hardships that some of these women have had to go through uh, to, to simply be recognized within their field uh, is something that I really wanted to, as a, as a, as a father to a, to a 17 month old daughter. Now, you know, I, I saw that as an opportunity. I said, Hey, you know, hopefully five, 10 years from now when she's willing to, to, to sit down for, for longer than five minutes without trying to do something different as she is now, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe she'll sit down and listen to daddy's podcast and, uh, you know, the way I used to hype up women for, 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 for 10 episodes. Cause for me, that was uh, just a really cool opportunity to be able to do that. So good. 
And you you may have to tell her that it's somebody else doing the speaking. You know, she might recognize the voice, but my kids they right. they, they, they listen to other people and coaches like you, as you know, a little bit better yeah. than the parents. I, and that's the well, thing, you know, like whoever you know, what the, the those women and the, and your guests and and just like you, you come on to the show, um, you know, because of what you do or who you are and 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 you know the things that you've accomplished. But then we get the story. We hear about the traveling in the car, and we hear about the you know the the uh, um. You know the the Manchester uh, and Liverpool conflict, and you know we hear like these like this this pulse, your pulse, you know, like these things that actually made you in the short pool, and now I have to sit and think about, wow, okay, that's going to make things different for swimming, you know, and and it's just all it it all shapes it, and here we are, cell phones are away, it's just us, we're talking. I mean, you're in Louisiana, we're in New Jersey, but that you know we can have this conversation, and there's no distraction, there's no interruption, and uh, you know we get we get more out of you, um, you know, than just you know, associate head coach of, of, of LSU swimming for sure. Mm-hmm. So tell us what, uh, what's, what's the future hold right now? So podcast, are you all in? Are you like, I am, I love this. I'm going to keep going with this. You know, I, I am, I am, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm totally into it. And uh, be, because I'm just, I've always, I've always believed if, if something's going to be a passion in life, it should never feel like work, right? You know, it should always be something that's, uh, and it's kind of cliche at this point, um, but it, 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 it's, there's, on a level, there's, there's truth to that. Uh, and for me, you know, I'm not getting paid to, to do these podcasts. I'm, I'm, I'm in a position in my life right now where I'm, I'm still working my way into being a little bit more, uh, no, a bit, little bit more well-known within what I'm doing. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to have some people supporting me with that marketing uh, you know, component of what we're doing right now. And, uh, for, for me, it's, it's just my passion project on the side. It's my side hustle as so many of my guests on my show have, have referenced. And what's so funny is that so many of their stories start with these things called side hustles and turns into their career. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for me, for me, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm, I'm excited to eventually get away from coaching swimming because it's just not true. I think for me, I love it. And it, it, it just fits me in so many ways, but at the same time, I've found this, completely different outlet now with my podcast that you know just isn't getting boring in in any sense you know it's it's a lot of work as you guys probably know but at the same time it's it's all good work it's all amazing time well spent and uh you know it's uh there's there's just some times now where I'm, I'm balancing these two kids at home where I, I look at my wife and I say do you think I got 30 minutes to go do some editing upstairs and I, I just get these devil eyes back at me and just, you know if, if you leave this room right now you are in trouble uh, so yeah so I, I have to pick my moments now to to do the to do the work behind the scenes and whatnot but uh you know it's 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 something I look forward to doing hopefully for a long time I love that. <laughs> That's it, it's a joy, you right. know. It's become a joy, and, mm-hmm. and and just the connection, and and look, we're at a time where you know meeting people out, and and you know those things are they're not really happening all that much, and uh, right. you know, and and we've we've disguised it as a as a podcast production company, so we're producing for other people now, so. All that editing and some of the things that we do is now, you know, honey, I'm going to work. Uh, so you don't get the <laughs> devil eyes so much. And it's uh-huh. still just a joy. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's tons of fun. Well, you always say it. You're like, well, this beats work. Beats working. You know, so. Right? But it's, and, and it doesn't have to replace the pool or anything. Like, you know, it doesn't replace running in right. my life. There's that too, you know. It's it's just it's just more good. Well, you Can't and I don't want to ever – it's funny because people say, oh, if you ask if someone's like, you know, what what do you do? I'm like, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, because there's so many moving parts in, you know, in my life since I left the, you know, the whole like corporate and, and the, the – what is it called? Like the the – 
you the know, anchor the job or whatever, <laughs> the normal job, I guess, whatever that means anymore. Um, but I think that there is, you know, there's something to, you know, going for what you love and following that. And, you know, people say, Oh, do you just your personal train? I'm like, no, nah, I have a couple clients because I love that. That's something I enjoy. I don't do that all the time, but there's also this, and then there's also this and the business component of this and the, and you know, it turns into oh, wait, I do have a full-time career. It's just not mm-hmm. the traditional full-time huh. career. And it's something you can, you know, people always say like, how can, how do you do this? Or I'm like, you just make it, you make it fit in your life and you make the life that you want, which seems pretty awesome that you've discovered how awesome podcasting is, which is, <laughs> you know, our, our secret to the world. Um, but it's amazing. So tell us, um, before we, uh, before we end today, there's a couple things we have to talk about. Number one, tell our listeners the name of your podcast and your social media handles where they can find all information and, and that. Absolutely. Uh, career competitor, find me on all podcast platforms. I have a website actually, which is a little bit of a one-stop shop for all of those social media handles and the episodes as well. It's just careercompetitor.com. Uh, if you want to make it a little bit easier and just go straight to Instagram, it's career underscore competitor, uh, on Instagram. Uh, aside from that, like I said, everything that you'll need to find with regards to the shows on the, on the website at careercompetitor.com and, uh, the best part about the website is there is a direct way for for you to contact me as well. So if you know if if, if you know of someone or hey if you're listening you think man I'd love to go on this guy's podcast hit me an email and I'd love to hear from you. All right, I'll email you later. <laughs> hey, hey, she'd be a well. Good you guys, you guys, you guys have an automatic invite. You should I, know that. I'm, I'm in. Invite myself to everything. One hundred percent. I've got another guy for you too. So my, one of one of my dear friends, Who? one of my dear friends, Brian Hanlon, makes those beautiful oh, statues on your campus down there. Yeah, he uh, really. He, I, you know what? I may have actually met this guy because <laughs> he is he a swimmer by any chance? He swims. Or, yes. Well, yeah. So he's he's he uh, he has come by the pool before. He's a okay. character. He explained who he you know he explains who he is every time he comes. And, He's, uh, every time, every time he comes and tells us, you know, hey, I'm doing this. We're like, well, if you want to swim, here's our pool. Like, seeing as you're you're putting a piece of history on our campus, so take yeah, I'm gonna tell him to take advantage. Of it. I'm gonna talk to him as soon as I get off the phone with you. Absolutely. Uh, he's 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 been a mentor to me, and and he's uh, and he's been a guest on our show, and he's fantastic, and he is a sports enthusiast through and through. He was a collegiate D1 runner, and he's just and now as he's a little bit older, he loves to swim. And uh, I have no doubt that he approached you about your pool I'm and sure. your facilities. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a character, and uh, but a but a beautiful guy, and he makes those beautiful pieces of art down there. So he did all of them. The shack. Um, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's. I just uh, uh, we saw him last week because all of our Brian's son, my son, and um, Hanlon's daughter yeah. all run cross country, and we were all happened to be at the same meet. And, um, wow. yeah, what did I, I, I do what I do every time I see Hanlon, I go up to him and I touch his hands and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The Look at these are... hands, these magical hands. He's like, stop touching me. It's funny. it's funny. But he did call me actually when the pandemic first hit Hanlon, he calls or texts me and he's like, Christine, where are you swimming? I'm like, I'm swimming nowhere, Brian. There's a pandemic. The Atlantic. Well, what do you, yeah, I was like the ocean. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, let's just, you know. But it's March and I need to swim. I'm like, I I don't know, man. Do you have a 
bathtub. Really good bathtub. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming he's probably he's probably gonna have to come down and make a Joe Burrow statue at some point soon. Oh, so he's, he's got he's, he's got that. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's uh, he's got that. He's got the he did the um, the baseball manager. He's doing stuff down there. Um, there there's more. I know it for sure. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> it's great to Very see. Cool. They, I'm so I'm so funny that you know him. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, listen, keep it going. Uh, I love everything that you're doing. We're big fans of LSU swimming now, mm-hmm. and and uh, let's go, Brock <laughs> Curry. Uh, you you go. know the kid is. Uh, uh, so when's your season? When do you, when do you start competing? We have our first competition in early November. And it will run through, again, as, as things stand, it will run through March as of right now. Uh, and we're just, you know, that's a much shortened season to, to normal. Uh, but, yeah, we're just itching to get the opportunity to compete again. So hopefully everything just continues to, to remain the same and people stay safe and how, we can make it happen. How does that work with, like, uh, you know, shortened season kids' eligibility and things like that? Do they get a certain amount of meets or, or, or you know? Yeah, you know, the NC2A at this point is pretty much – created a, a free pass for most kids this year um and, and again it'll be down to the university's discretion to whether right. or not they they uh they allow for an additional year of, of scholarship or whatever it may be um but i think there's you know and it's understandable at this point uh, there's just so much unknown it's so much to it's it's almost impossible to plan right. to perform at this point um you know you're just trying to make the best of every opportunity that you have and so with that in mind you know i think the nc2a has just realized there's no point making much of a set criteria for this year that this year will probably just come and go and uh if people want to you know make it count or not make it count that'll be up to them sure in the, in, at the end of the day i just can't imagine this as a collegiate athlete if you know you're at the the peak of your you know athletic performance and they were like oh by the way you're gonna wait another i just um my heart hurts for I, a lot I told of these you, athletes. I had, I had a field hockey girl that I trained, and, and they were like, you know, it's her senior season, and this is your last year of eligibility. And by the way, it's only six games. And you can redshirt if you want, uh, but then she's got to go to grad school, which is very expensive and not under, you right. know, not on the bill anymore. And, uh, and you know, she's like, that's an expensive season of field hockey. And it, she ended up playing the six games, and I think they got a couple more. So it was like it's kind of working out for her, but um, – you know, and I think they even said if you play le- like half of the games, like I think they ended up with eight. And I think if she played in four, she can still hold on to it. But then she's got to like kind of oh. pick which game she doesn't want to. So pain in the neck. But um, but again, you know, as long as they, they get to kind of, you know, finish that career for her. And that's been, you know, and, uh, you know, for talented kids, um, you know, amazing. You got a freshman who's, you know, strong that's enough awesome. to bust out the hundred free. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, 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 uh, it's a tough time for coaches right now. And it's, you know, as much as it is for the athletes too. And, and the one thing I'm always telling myself is, you know, you can't be, you can't be trying to influence these kids to do what's right for you as a coach. You know, you've still got to stick to the, the, the understood rule that everything we are doing is, is for them and to better them in terms of not just them as swimmers, but their future. And you, you know, you alluded to things like grad school and, you know, life's not going to wait, right. You know, we, mm-hmm. we would love, we wish we could accommodate everybody and give everyone an extra year, but at the same time, that might not work for everybody. Everybody right. might want to just graduate and get on with their life and get Absolutely. on with their career. So, you know, we, we're, we're not the ones to be standing in the way right now. We're the ones to just, find ways to support them uh, and hopefully you know if opportunities come to compete you know we'll be we'll be itching to go and, and ready to go for sure this was awesome you have been an amazing conversation i know our listeners are gonna love this and um 
we're excited for you. We're excited for your podcast. We're going to send our listeners over to you to like and subscribe. All that fun, all that fun marketing kind of stuff. But no, I, I honestly, that sounds fantastic. Thank you for doing what you're doing to inspire people and, you know, athletes and just getting people to, uh, to live. That's really what it's about. So go LSU. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. And, you know, having the opportunity to come on uh, a well-established podcast like yourselves uh, is something that I'm certainly uh, working towards myself. So it's been an absolute pleasure and I appreciate the time guys. All right. Oh, it's awesome. All right, Steve. So with that said, it's Christine Conti. I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.